You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. the past three weeks, we've been looking at the somewhat elusive act of forgiveness in our life. And and I say elusive because oftentimes forgiveness can be about as hard to hold on to as the last few hair follicles I had before I went bald, okay? Um, Now, I know the people have been wondering, like, hey, how did it happen, PB? Let me tell you how it happened, okay? Started going bald in my freshman year of college. Yes, yes. About uh, 19 years old, I was about at the, it was at the University of Nebraska playing baseball at the time, and I remember that every time I came in from playing defense at, at baseball, I would take off my hat, and there would be more hair in the hat that was on my head, so I knew things were really going south. But as a young man, I didn't want to admit that I was going bald. So what did I do? What did I do when I didn't want to admit? I got Rogaine. Yeah, I got some Rogaine. Don't you? I see some greasy hair all around here. I see you. You know? Got some Rogaine. I try. I wore a lot of hats. You know, I, I tried to style what was left of my hair to make it look different. You know what I'm saying? So I did all of that and then some to give the illusion that I had hair. And I kept this follicle charade up for about until I was about 24 or 25 years old. Now, Sheree and I, my wife, we had been married about two years at the time, and I remember this happening. I was leading worship at the church that we were going to on a Saturday night service at the at church in Chicago, and uh, I came home, plopped down on the couch, and I was watching, you know, like American Chopper or something, like, I can't remember, it was definitely American Chopper that I was watching, like, you know, on TLC, and then all of a sudden, as I'm watching the show, all of a sudden, I can just, I can sense Sheree just staring at me. Guys, you've ever experienced that? You're just like, you know that it's happening, you know? And so after a couple of minutes, I just, I'm like, what? Like, what do you want? Like, why do you keep staring at me? And she said, I'll I'll never forget it. Two words I'll never forget. She said, it's time. That's what she just said, you know? It's it's time. I'm like, time for what? You know, chopper's on. She goes, sweetheart, it's time. We got to shave it. We got to shave it. And so that night, my wife shaved my head for the very first time. And ever since there, I've never had to have the Friar Tuck ring of fire ever again. It just didn't have to happen, you know? Now, now why? Because Cherie opened my eyes to the fact that I was fooling myself thinking that I had hair. Now, the world knew I didn't have hair. She knew way back in college I didn't. My unborn children knew that I didn't have any hair. Like, it was an obvious thing. But I was holding on to the illusion of this Fabio long hair for some reason, right? Now, now my friends, this is what the elusive act of forgiveness is really like in our life. That we think that we've forgiven somebody. But if you really look closely, if our friends from the outside that can see what's really happening can, can let us know, we would know that we're fooling ourselves. Because they will see that it's really forgiveness, not really forgiveness. And we, show, and we show this forgiveness in some different ways in our life. We've been looking at it in the past few weeks. Week one, we looked at the idea that sometimes there's a forgiveness that's called even the score. And so, in other words, I'll forgive you as long as you've experienced as much pain as I have, and then we're equal. But we learn that God is the God of justice, not us. And so we need to wait on him to give justice, but we can't wait to give forgiveness. We must forgive. Then in week two, we looked at something that you might have heard of before, this idea of you must forget in order to forgive. 
Yeah, this is, this is the forgiveness that we'll try to convince ourselves of. We think that in order to forgive someone, I have to forget everything that they've done to us. But what we saw, that forgetting is actually like humanly impossible because we always remember. But just because we remember doesn't mean that we can't forgive. Jesus remembered all of our sins yet still chose to forgive. So we need to learn to forgive without always forgetting. And then, and then last week, last week we talked about this other forgiveness. It's called grin and bear it. Just a grin and bear it. This is where we put a smile on our face and then we downplay what's happened to us. We'll ignore it. Uh, we'll think that we deserve it. We'll completely disassociate from reality so we can get through the day. It's called grin and bear it. But if we're gonna seek true forgiveness and we realize that in order to do that, we have to address what happened head on. And if we're the ones that have offended somebody else that are in need of that forgiveness, we need to be prepared to be active, to be humble and be understanding as we approach them in that act of forgiveness. So if you missed any of those weeks, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to those. Our website's got them all on there. You can download our free app, it also has it there. Or anywhere that you get podcasts, you can download those messages app. Uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. But today, we come to the final week of our forgiveness, the one that we oftentimes stumble up against a whole bunch. And it may very well be the hardest one of all of them to overcome. And so to look at that, we're gonna be in a bunch of different spots in the Bible. I just wanna warn you ahead of time, you might have some Bible whiplash. We're gonna be all over the place. But I'll tell you, the greatest place to look for all that stuff is in the Crossroads Grace app. It's already outlined there. You can look at it there, take notes. Uh, and also online, they're gonna be putting a bunch of links in there. You can click on that. But I'd encourage you, you to download any app store. It just makes it a whole lot easier for you. But I'm not sure about you, but I have found this season of life to be very difficult. Very difficult for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, it, maybe you can relate to that in your life. I've just felt, personally, I've just felt really heavy and burdened and just like blah. Like you just feel blah a lot. And I've tried to put my thumb on exactly what it is, that what's the, really the core issue that's making things so challenging. And what I've actually found is that over and over and over again is that there's this intensity of things in our life that as they happen, they force us to have a hyper response to the things that are around us. It's like all of our nerve endings are just right on the surface of anything and just even a little, little wind blows on it. We just like, oh, we, we react, we're set off. And I've seen this play out. You've probably seen this play out in all kinds of different ways, but especially with the magnitude of loss that we've had in our world, the intensity of the pain and the hurt that has occurred over the past season or so has also caused what I'm calling a deficit in forgiveness, a deficit in our ability to forgive. And I think it's been heightened in two very common ways of forgiveness that we might not talk about all that often. The first forgiveness I'd like us to consider is that this idea that I can forgive everyone else but not myself. This is the, in essence, this is the thought that Jesus' grace, his forgiveness, they're available to everyone else in the world, but because of what I've done, I'm not allowed to be forgiven. We've created like a moral scorecard that everybody else is able to score forgiveness points on except for us. And the consequence of that is choosing to live a life of misery and perpetual punishment. Uh, the second one, though, this other forgiveness is called, I, can, I will forgive everyone, but I can't forgive God. Everybody else I'll forgive except for God. This is where we'll say things like, what God did, unforgivable. I can't do it. Well, why would God ever allow that to happen? 
This is a wave of, there's, there is there's this wave of increased anger that's happening towards God because of all the injustice and the death and the sickness and all the confusion that's happening around us. After all, I mean, if God is powerful, why can't he just make it all get better? That's what we think. And since he doesn't seem to be doing anything, I really can't forgive him for not doing anything. And, and if we were to kind of let our moral guard down for a second, or I should say our righteous guard down for a second, we all would probably say that we have a twinge of one or both of those in our lives at some point. That we feel that God, that we've done too much or God has too, done too much, but either way, forgiveness, man, off the table. We feel that we are so guilty or that God maybe is so aloof that forgiveness is the farthest thing from our mind that we ever wanna think about. So, so here's what I want us to focus on today and really work on today. I want us to, to actually, and, and I wanna leave some time for God to do some work at the end of the service, but but guys, I want us to walk through what it really means to, to, to give forgiveness, but then also to receive forgiveness. How do we do that? Because this is the true core of how we move from forgiveness to forgiveness. And we have to uncover it. We have to uncover what, is really, what it really means to forgive and what it means to walk in the freedom that's found in forgiveness. But in order to do that, we have to actually start here. Yeah, we have to start right here. Um, in uh, confession time, I am somewhat of a jail documentary junkie. Like, I just love watching those shows. Is anybody else like watching those at all? Lock up. I'm all about lock. I see that hand. Lock up. 60 days in. I think I could do 60 days. I've tried it. Why not? You know, world's toughest jails. You ever tried that? That's a doozy right there. And all the other shows, I just kind of love them. I'm not sure what my problem is, but I just love them. But, but in most cases, they'll show that the, the essence of the film is that you go and they film the, the people in what's called gen pop which for the layman is general population, okay? So gen pop. This is where the inmates, they have, they have cellmates, they eat in common areas, they trade honey buns and cigs for phone time. You know, I gotta know all the lingo. Um, they're out of their cells most of their days, they have yard time where they can exercise and get, you know, bad tattoos and like all that stuff, they have all that. But, but in those moments, you get a chance to get to know them, interact with each other, see how they interact with each other, and you, know, you get to see how they interact with the guards and even how they process their jail time. Um, but, but there's always this underlying punishment that's held over the head of all the inmates. And, and this, is, this punishment is so frightening that even the most hardened criminals will fall in line with what the prison says so they don't get this punishment. And that punishment is known as solitary confinement or the whole, as they call it. And this is the punishment where a person is put into a jail cell, usually with no windows at all, and they're held there for 23 hours a day by themselves. They eat their meals in their cell by themselves. They have no human contact except for the guards that come and check on them, or maybe when they take them out for yard time for maybe an hour a day. But the rest of the time, they are by themselves. And this is what they call hard time. And hard time is, sir, is, is hard to serve not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually and, and physically. Studies have shown that extended time in solitary confinement can lead to all kinds of things. It will lead to increased feelings of anxiety and depression, suicidal thoughts, insomnia, hypertension, dizziness, headaches, heart palpitations, and it also increases previously diagnosed mental illness by being there by themselves. Now, in, in addition to that, it causes the inmates to lose track of time altogether. The circadian rhythms that are in their body that tells them when to sleep and when to wake up are all out of whack. And in some cases, for under extreme, extreme cases under, of confinement, it'll cause people to lose the ability, think about this, lose the ability to recognize a face. 
So, so it's clear that this type of extended isolation, it's not healthy for people to experience for a long period of time. It, it's just not. This is why former uh, president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela, he developed what's called the Nelson Mandela Rules. And these are rules of after he established, after what he experienced in prison for 27 years in South Africa. And in those rules, he has stipulations for several things, but one of which is about solitary confinement, that it's only to be used for extreme circumstances, and you can only use it for 14 days at max. The reason was because of what Mandela experienced when he was in solitary confinement. He would actually say this about it. He would say that solitary confinement is the most forbidding aspect of prison life. There was no end and no beginning. There's only one own, one's own mind which can begin to play tricks. Mandela found that solitary confinement, in a solitary confinement state for too long, was unhealthy for humans to have to endure. It was literally inhumane punishment. Now, the point of this, of this whole idea about solitary confinement, is that this is a perfect depiction of what we experience when we choose to not forgive. Exactly what we do. That we have decided, we have decided that we want to choose this, that we, when we, when we say, I can never forget them for what they've done, that I can never forget myself for what I've done, that I'll never forgive God for what he's done. What we do is that we've actually chosen to lock ourselves into a cell, right? Into a cell of unforgiveness. We've locked ourselves in. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's eerie how similar the side effects of this is to solitary confinement. Because unforgiveness will lead to anxiety and depression, heart issues, insomnia, on and on and on and on and on. We can go, all the side effects are about the same. It's just true. Now, now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. What if, like, what if we, we sat down, and, and we sat down, and you just started to share with me all the stuff that was going on in your life, um, and you started to share with me all the side effects that you were experiencing, maybe some unforgiveness in your life, and, and you're, you know, I, I can't sleep at night, I'm depressed, I'm all, and you just list them all off, and you just said that, and you're like, yeah, my, my life's falling apart. Uh, what if then you shared with, what if I then shared with you after hearing you, and I told you that there was a way for all that to go away, but that all that could go away, and you could live a life that was actually free. What, what do you think that you would say if I offered that to you? You, of course, would say, yes. Yes, I mean, you, you jump at the chance. You'd be like, yeah, tell me what I gotta do. I wanna do all those things. But the problem is that, is, is that for many of us, when we hear that the solution is forgiveness, we say, oh, okay, well, that's, that's a little too tall of a task. I don't know if I can do that one. Like, that's not something I'm really, really ready for. I mean, they, they don't deserve that for what they've done. And so when we say that, we've just decided that we're just gonna, we're gonna sit in this jail cell and we'll just slowly rot away. And, and sure, there, there might be some versions of forgiveness that, um, that might help us, you know, that we might think are giving us, forgive, you know, giving us freedom, but at the very best, that's a work release program. Because we still carry around the unforgiveness ankle monitor with us that reminds us of what's really happening in our hearts. We're still in prison. And the reason is that we have chosen to, to focus on all the painful things in our lives that we've done or that people have done to us and we actually start to define ourselves by our unforgiveness. We've become blinded to the truth of who God says he really is. And instead of that, we've become fixated on what we're going through or what's been done to us. That's all we see. 
And I promised you last week, I said, hey, next week we're going to talk about how to actually work through this. It's exactly what we're going to do today. It's going to help us understand how we can start to forgive. So let's start to do that. Let's start to figure out how we get out of this jail cell. But, but the first thing we actually have to do is we have to answer the most basic question over anything else. Are you ready for the most basic question? Here it is. Do I want to forgive? Do I want to forgive? Do I want to get out of this jail cell? Do I want to be free? Do I want to stop being held captive by whatever happened to me or by what I have done to somebody else? Because you just need to, before we go any further, you just need to know this, okay? God will never force us to forgive. Never is going to force us to forgive. God's not like us as parents. Like parents, you know how this goes. Like your kids are fighting all day. And you finally get sick of it and you bring them in the same room. And you're like, you look at your brother and you tell him you're sorry, Right? People have done that last 15 minutes with their kids. You know what I mean, right? By the way, that's not forgiveness. That's coercion. That's a hostage negotiation. That's not forgiveness, all right? But the second thing is, is that God will never make us do that. Never. We have to want to want forgiveness in our life. That's the truth. So until you and I say, yes, yes, I want forgiveness, Yes, I want to receive forgiveness. Yes, I want to give forgiveness. We will keep ourselves in this jail cell by our choice. But if we want true freedom, from whatever we're going through, we must learn to focus on the truth, and we must focus not on our pain. So Paul would kind of describe this a little bit in Philippians chapter 4. He says this starting in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, so Paul says, we got to focus on some other things. So, so what, do you, what do we need to focus on when it comes to forgiveness? What are those things? Well, I believe there's four questions that we constantly need to keep the answers to alive in our minds so that we understand, especially when it comes to this idea of forgiveness. Four questions we need to remind ourselves of the answers to. The first question is this, who is God? Who is God? We have to start with a right understanding of who God is. Revelations 22, 13 tells us this broad, beautiful view of him. He says, he says, I'm the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So what that tells us is that God has been and always will be. He's always been. I'll give you some big words. He's omnipresent, he's omniscient, and he's sovereign. Some killer words, right? Take that, wordle. You know what I mean? Right? Those are some big ones. But, but these are powerful attributes of who God is. God created all things. He sustains all things. He's above all things. God knows all things, and he can see all things. This is not the same about you and me, right? We don't see everything. We don't know everything, and goodness gracious, we don't understand everything. Paul, Paul speaks about this um, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. He says this. He says, for now we see only a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully as I am fully known. Paul says, listen, one day, one day you'll have the full picture, but we don't have that right now. Only God has that picture, which means that when we don't think things are right or when things don't seem right to us, when someone does something wrong to us, when someone dies too early, when something goes in a different direction than what we expected, what we have to realize is that we don't have the full picture 
We, we just don't. Only God has the full picture, and so we are asked to trust him. Scripture also, also tells us that God is good, he's just, he's kind, he's loving, he's, he's merciful, he's holy, he's all those things. And that when we give our life to him through our faith in Jesus Christ, he's actually on our side. Romans 8.31 would say, what then shall we say to response of all these things? That if God is for us, who can be against us? So when we begin this process of forgiveness, we need to remember who God is or else we'll think that it's by our power that we can forgive. We cannot. Remember, only by the power of God is forgiveness possible. Only by the power of God. So that's the first thing that we need to know. But after we have an understanding of who God is, we then need to remind ourselves of the second thing is, who am I? Who is God? But then who am I? And can we all agree that pain will will cloud our senses? It clouds our reasoning when we're in the middle of our pain. It makes us fixate on one thing and we grab onto it like like the jaws of a lion on his prey. We just hold on to it, refusing to let go of it. And goodness, does this happen in my life all the time? Like when I feel like someone has, has offended me or hurt me or my family, I have a hard time not looking at them negatively and thinking about them every time that I see them. I'm just telling, thinking negatively about them every time. I'll tell you what, when, when, some, when I feel like someone has hurt my staff or my church, I will get hyper-focused on that and it'll start to affect my leadership. I, I know that if I've done something to offend somebody else or hurt somebody else, it sticks with me and I've just got this icky feeling in my stomach all the time. Maybe this happens to you too, right? And when that happens, though, we lose sight of something very, very important, and that is our identity, our identity. So often when we're caught in this jail cell of our our unforgiveness, we lose sight of who we are. My friend Zach said this in our growth group a couple of weeks ago. He actually, in in the middle, I just love our growth group on Sunday mornings. And and he said that we need to keep God at the center of our lives. And when we don't, we will lost focus on what matters the most. So good. So, So guys, listen for a second. God does not want you and does not want me to be defined by what happened to us, what we did, or anything else. He doesn't. He wants us to be defined as a child of God. Let let, let me prove that to you by just using God's word here a little bit. Did you know that God said that you were created in his image? Genesis 1.27 says, For God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Did you know that you were handcrafted by God? Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you know that you were created on purpose for a purpose? Paul tells us in Ephesians that for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, this should scream to us something. This should scream to us that God knows you because he created you. Which which means that we should also just know that since God created you, he knows everything about you. Knows everything about you. And that includes, but not as limited to, that God knows your pain. God knows your pain. God knows what you're going through is real. 
All throughout the Bible, we see God hearing the cries of his people and, and sending help. We have Job and the Israelites and, and David. I mean, all these examples of just God hearing their pain and cries. So God sees your pain. He wants to give you freedom from what you're going through. But God is also well aware what oftentimes causes that pain, which is the second thing that he knows, and God knows our sin. He knows our sin. God knows that we have sin in our lives and that none of us are immune to it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin shattered our relationship with him forever and it deserved punishment. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So although God knows us, created us, loves us, he also loved us enough to give us free will. And in that free will, we have the opportunity to experience pain because we can choose either God or we can choose sin in our lives. So, so yes, our true identity is to be a child of God, created by God on purpose for a purpose, but our sin has fractured the relationship with us. And that sin has made us deserve death and not life because we've offended a holy and perfect God. Remember who God is. But then that leads us to the next question that we have to answer on our road to forgiveness in our life. And here's the question. What did God do for me? What did God do for me? So what would God do with the sin that was in our life? What would God do with us when we deserve death, but he still loved us so much? What would he do? He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. Look no further than the famous John 3:16 with me where it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Even though we took God for granted, sinned against him, he still gave us Jesus. His son made a way for us to be right with him again. And what was done by Jesus giving up his life for us, it was done so that we could find the one thing that we could never find on our own. The one thing that we could never give ourselves. And that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Through Jesus, we received what we could never do for ourselves. And he forgave us of all of our sins. Again, Paul would say this in Colossians 1.13. He would say, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have received redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this means, pay very close attention, this means we can't forgive ourselves. So when we say God can forgive everybody except ourselves, no, no, you, you can't say that, right? You can't say that because Jesus already forgave you. And if we could forgive ourselves somehow, we don't need Jesus. We have to remember that. Oh, and that also means that if we say, God, God, I can never forgive you, that doesn't mean that you ever, he doesn't need our forgiveness because he's perfect and he owes us nothing, yet he gave us everything. He sees the full picture. We don't see the full picture. He doesn't owe us anything. So, so then what does God do for us? He gave us life, he gave us grace, he gave us a second chance, he gave us, he gave us forgiveness, he gave us freedom, freedom. Through Jesus, God opened the jail cell to our lives that we were being held captive by, by our sin. A door we could never open on our own, 
but one that he willingly opened for us because he loves us. Which actually brings us to the final question that we have to wrestle with as we get closer to forgiveness. And that final question is, what does God want for me? What does God want for you and for me who he created, who he loves, and who he offers forgiveness to? What is it? He deeply wants two things from us. God wants us to receive forgiveness and give forgiveness. God wants us to receive the gift of peace and grace that he offers to us on the cross through his son, Jesus. He wants us to walk out of our cell that he has opened the door for so we can walk into freedom again. That's what he wants. He knows that we can't forgive ourselves, so he gave us the freedom that we needed. He did that for us. And, and can we just lean in for just a second and listen? To not receive that gift, to not open that gift, to think that we are somehow too bad for his love, that he can forgive everyone else except for us. Do you know what that is? That's an insult to the giver of the greatest gift that you have ever been offered to receive. It was a gift that was paid for by his one and only son, his own life. So, so first, God wants us to walk out of that jail cell and get as far away from our shame and our sin and our guilt and our unforgiveness. Just get away from that. That is what he wants us to do first. What he wants for us is to receive his forgiveness. But then we must forgive others. Paul says, Colossians 3.13, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The reason that we must forgive is because we've been forgiven. The reason we've, we, we, need to, we, we need to forgive is because we can walk in freedom. The, the reason we forgive, guys, is so we can be more like Jesus, so we can be like him. Guys, here's your definition, right? Forgiveness is choosing to walk in freedom God paid for and extending that freedom to others. That's what forgiveness is. And, and we know that we're truly following Jesus when we're receiving and we're giving forgiveness. Which means that when forgiving someone, when you're saying, hey, how do I forgive someone? Here's what you gotta do. You gotta remember four things. One, the other person was created by God just like me. Number two, the other person is a sinner just like me. Number three, Jesus died for the sins of that person just like me. And number four, Jesus offers forgiveness to them, just like me. So we forgive because we don't want to be a prisoner anymore. And because the same forgiveness that we receive from Christ should be extended to other people too, to get them out of that prison also. The great author C.S. Lewis said this so well. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Listen, I know this is, I know this is hard. I, I know. I, I know as I look across this room, I know there's some hard, hard things that you've been through, that have been done to you, that is really, it's really hard to even imagine forgiving. Like, I, I, I get it. But as we, as we sit in that moment, 
And I just allow us to think about Jesus's, some of his final words on the cross for, for just a moment. That as he's nailed to the cross, he looks down, he looks at the people that are mocking him, spitting in his face, cursing him, as he's suffocating on his own blood and preparing to die. Jesus says this in, John, in Luke 23. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. What you must remember is that Jesus forgave in the middle of his pain. In the middle of it. He didn't wait. He acted. He forgave in the middle of his pain. I had to do that this week. I, I, I've been harboring some bitterness towards somebody for, for years now. And I've been in that prison and I was tired of being in there. You could call it what you want. Maybe it's guilt because I'm writing a sermon about it. I, I don't know, but I, I called him up and I just, I just had to ask for forgiveness because I said, I've been, I've been harboring some bitterness in my heart for a long time. And it wasn't the greatest conversation. It wasn't puppies and ponies. It wasn't perfect, but forgiveness was granted and I was able to move forward and I could walk out of that jail cell. It, it didn't feel good, but it felt good, if that makes any sense. So, unless I'm alone, I believe there's some, probably some people here that need that very same thing too. To not wait, but to act. In the middle of your pain, in the middle of the whatever, to act. So I told you that I'm gonna give you a chance to actually do something with what we're doing today. And so when you walked in here today, you got a pencil and you got a piece of paper. You grab that and have that available online. Just a second, I'm gonna to explain to you exactly what um, we're gonna do for you guys. But, but if, if you're here right now, what you're gonna do is you're gonna take that piece of paper. And what I want you to do is I want you to write on that piece of paper something that you want forgiveness for, something you need to give forgiveness for, or something that you have been held captive to for so long that you just need to release. I want you to literally write that down on that piece of paper. Now, online, what you're gonna do is that there's gonna be a, a, a QR code that'll come up on the side, and what you're gonna do is you're gonna click on that QR code. They'll send you a link or to a little bar that you can fill that in. It's completely anonymous. Do not hesitate. You get completely anonymous. I want you to fill that in. I want you to hit enter on that. But here in person, what you're gonna do, write that down on a piece of paper. As the song that we're about to have sung to us is going, I want you to crumple that piece of paper up. I want you to get to your feet. I want you to come up. I want you to throw it in this jail cell. I literally want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come up. I want you to throw it in the jail cell, go back down. I want you to continue to let God do some work. I want you to take and put it where it belongs. Take all that garbage and you shove it in there and you walk in freedom and you allow yourself to be released of that. Whatever it is, whatever you're harboring, whatever has been done to you, whatever is hurting you, make this be a symbolic gesture of I am choosing forgiveness today. Fill that out online. Allow it to be your symbolic gesture of you choosing forgiveness today. And so when you hear the words of this song wash over you, remember to yourself that forgiving is receiving the gift of freedom that Jesus has given us and then giving that to others. Choose forgiveness today. So again, in a moment, we'll sing this song. You'll write that down. You'll stand up at any point. You'll come and throw that in there. Simply go and sit back down.
Choose forgiveness. Choose freedom. Choose Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that your spirit would fall on this place right now, both online and in person, in living rooms, in coffee shops around the world, right here in Manteca, California, your spirit would rest and it would sit heavy on us so that we would feel this this need to do something with what we just heard, to to release this forgiveness, this pent-up unforgiveness, this jail that I've been in. I want to walk out. Jesus, you tell us the door's open. It's already been open for us. We must choose whether we stay in a three-walled jail cell or if we walk in freedom. God, would you press upon this place that we would choose the right thing, choose forgiveness. I know that there is hurt in here. I know there is pain in here, but I also know that you are here and that your forgiveness is here, and that freedom is here. Help us choose well. Father, I pray that you would work now. Spirit, that you would move. Jesus, you would be glorified as we prepare our hearts for communion and what's to take place after this, God. Just work now. Let us hear from you. Give us freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.